you're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Proud partners with Patriot Mobile. You know, there's always something to do outside every day of the year, but this is that time of year where we're kind of in a tweener. Deer seasons have ended for the most part. Turkey season's not here yet. The water's still a little cool for most fishermen. And it's a really good time to sit by the fire and reflect. And we're going to do that uh, with an old friend today, Ken Kirkaby, outdoor author Ken Kirkaby, pursues mule deer on a very challenging level up in Idaho. Tough places to get to, but magnificent mule deer if you can make the climb. It's a conversation we had about a year ago, a little over a year ago with Ken, and we're going to recall that. It's a fireside chat with author Ken Kirkaby on Kinder Outdoors today. Welcome to our campfire. Front door to the camp house is brought to you by Calming Care from the trusted name Purina. Calming Care very gently over time settles the overactive dog, the overbarker, the overjumper. If that's your dog, learn about Calming Care when you come see me at kinderoutdoors.com. We are in the Bermuda Triangle of good old boy, the gateway to the grasslands, Alvord, Texas, just outside of town a little ways. And we're happy that you're here with us today, too. Grab your coffee and settle yourself down. We're glad you're here. I got a note this week from John Powell in Dallas, Texas. The subject is Canadian geese. He says, hey, Billy, it's not Canadian geese. It's Canada geese. Billy, you're smarter than that. John, I'm not real sure that I am. But you're right, and I knew better. Thanks for the correction. Boy, this is going to be cool. I wish I could be there. President Trump will address NRA members at the NRA Presidential Forum at the Great American Outdoor Show. President Trump has been unwavering in his protection of our gun rights, the rights of gun owners. And this will be a special time with the president at the Presidential Forum of the NRA's Great American Outdoor Show. It's coming up in the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, today through February 11th. Why don't you plan to join me and Jim Shockey at the Barnsley Resort, the beautiful Barnsley Resort in Airsdale, Georgia, April 14th and 15th for the Freedom Hunters Jim Shockey Classic. We're going to have a blast. What is Freedom Hunters? I believe Freedom Hunters is some of the very best PTSD therapy available to our military men and women. I think it rejuvenates and restores our wounded. And the Freedom Hunters Jim Shockey Classic raises valuable dollars to carry out the mission of this great therapy. Listen to this. This is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute. A focus on people that make a difference. Freedom Hunters, they say thank you to our very bravest and finest in a very special way. Uh, we're a 501c3 military outreach program. We take servicemen and their families out on outdoor ventures, mainly hunting, fishing, shooting trips all around the country and internationally too. These trips are more than a thank you and a good time, far more. It invigorates them. The healing comes out of it. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I started it just as a thank you, as a give back. I had no idea the therapeutic value of these hunts. I mean, it, it just it changes them. You can see it in their eyes. When they show up at camp, they're quiet and, and reserved. 
by the end of end of camp, they're opened up and uh, you know chatting with other veterans. It's amazing. You can go on our website. We've got a donation button, or just email us and say, hey, here's the opportunity. We'll fit a vet into that opportunity, whatever it is. Freedomhunters.org. Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at kinderoutdoors.com. We're going to have fun. Chance for you to go head-to-head with Jim Shockey on the golf course. Make a little side bet with him. (laughs) And all of it benefits our veteran men and women of the United States and Canadian militaries. Learn more about the fantastic work that my friends Anthony Pace, Jim Shockey, and the Freedom Hunters family do uh, for our heroes day in and day out, year-round, when you come see me at kinderoutdoors.com. Hey, this corner of the camp house brought to you by Fortiflora, America's number one canine probiotic. I say it all the time, and it's the truth. If you own a dog, you really ought to have Fortiflora in the fridge. Fortiflora. Come see me at kinderoutdoors.com and click on that little box of Fortiflora to learn more about this great product. The Maine Moose Lottery, it's a big deal. I would love to win an opportunity to hunt moose in Maine. Can you imagine that beautiful fall color and those moose screaming up in the timber? (coughs) Applications for the 2024 Moose Permit Lottery will be accepted online starting April 1st and ending May 15th. The 2024 Moose Permit Lottery Drawing. It'll be Saturday, June 15th at Fort Kent. If you don't attend in person, you can view the lottery results at kinderoutdoors.com by 6 p.m. on June 15th. For more about that Maine Moose Hunt and the Maine Moose Permit Lottery, visit me at kinderoutdoors.com. Well, let's grab a sausage and biscuit and a cup of coffee, and then I'll meet you back by the fireplace because we're going to sit down with outdoor author Ken Kirkaby and listen to him tell tales of high mountain mule deer hunting in rough Idaho country. This is Kinder Outdoors, powered by Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian, conservative, wireless provider. Hi, I'm Eric Gerlinger from Lewistown, Montana. Come fish our walleye and hunt our elk. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. When you make the switch to Patriot Mobile, I want to pick up the activation fee for you. Just make sure you use the promo code KINDER. So why would you make the switch from whoever your wireless provider is now to Patriot Mobile? Here's why. Because you're going to get equal or better coverage with Patriot Mobile. You're going to get friendly, get-after-it service when you call for help from U.S.-based Patriot representatives. U.S.-based. And part of your bill each month is going to go to support our First and Second Amendments, sanctity of life, and the well-being of our military, veterans, and first responders. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. The Patriot Mobile mission? To passionately defend our God-given constitutional rights and freedoms, and to glorify God always. Save the activation fee when you use the promo code KINDER. When you make the switch to Patriot Mobile today, when you drop your wild game off at Cinnamon Creek Ranch Wild Game Processing, go ahead 
Order up your ground meat and breakfast sausage, but don't stop there. We worked on a taco meat for three years to where women and kids would eat it, and a chili that we make now where you just take these things home and just throw them in a crock pot or fry them in a pan and they're ready to go. Our tamales are probably hands down to anyone's. They're double meat and, you know, masa. And they're simple, and they're, and they're, we just can't make them fast enough. They're fully cooked. All you got to do is poke two or three holes in the bag that we give them to you in and throw them in the microwave for three and a half minutes aside, and it's like we just pulled them out of our steamer the day we made them. These items have become staples in our home. Robin's favorite is the taco meat. I'm partial to the tamales. And what a feast when we put it all together for friends and family. Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing, just north of Fort Worth, about a mile from Cabela's as the crow flies. CinnamonCreekRanch.com. Crappie anglers, tired of tying knots? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to tell you about the all-new Add-A-Hook by Bullet Weights. The Add-A-Hook is designed to put a hook on your line without using any knots or cutting your line. Hold the Add-A-Hook next to your fishing line, then wrap the line five times around each side. Pull your line into the clips, and bam, you're ready to go, and it will not slip. I can tie a double crappie rig in 30 seconds when it takes up to six minutes to tie one with all the knots. Add a hook is made of stainless steel, no rust, flexible, and tough. Mr. Crappie and Bullet Weights has made it better, faster, and easier for crappie fishermen to get back in the water catching more crappie than ever. Bullet Weights has a full line of Mr. Crappie double mental rigs for trolling and vertical fishing. The Mr. Crappie Troll Tech rigs are designed to troll in shallow waters and heavy cover, keeping two baits close together without hanging up. Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at bulletweights.com. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, Never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com. Patriot Mobile speaks loud and clear. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, parental rights, and sanctity of life. Patriot Mobile, proud partners with Kinder Outdoors. If you travel a lot with your sporting dogs, you hunt birds all over North America, as many bird hunters do, make sure you take the Fortiflora along. It will help assure a steady and strong GI system, even amongst a change in routine, change in water and hard workouts and hunts. Forta Flora. It's a great time of year to just grab an easy chair next to the fire and listen to my friend outdoor author Ken Kirkaby recall hunting magnificent mule deer in Idaho. Enjoy. Hey, Ken, welcome back to the show. 
Hey, great to be back, Bill. I uh, always enjoy my, my visits with you. My friend Ken Kirkaby, a very talented outdoor writer, author. Uh, he has several books. I'm sure you've heard about them uh, here on the radio show, Red Stick 1, Red Stick 2, and the tournament. If those are not in your deer blind or in your uh, duck lodge, deer lodge, quail cabin, whatever, uh, you need to go gather those up. You can do that at Amazon. I highly uh, recommend them. Are you doing any writing these days, Ken? Do you still enjoy yeah. writing? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm working on a couple projects right now and uh, hopefully have something together in about, oh, maybe less than a year. Oh, okay, good, good, fantastic. And one cool thing, I always point this out, one cool thing about Ken is as outdoors men and women, we all know a phony when we <laughs> hear or read a phony. Ken is not a phony. He's been there and done that, and he's still out there doing that. Uh, climbing jagged peaks in search of great mule deer, uh, and you just returned from a great trip. But I want to back up a year, Ken, because things did not go well a year ago. No, it was, I- real, it was a real adventure. You went to Idaho on a pack-in hunt uh, in some rugged country, and, boy, I mean, from the get-go, things were just – it just didn't go well. No, it was tough. Um, last year, the Salmon River was very low, so that – eliminated the possibility of using a jet boat to get to where we were going. So I had to drive in from the west. Now, I came into Missoula and uh, spent the night in Grangeville, Idaho, and then went in that morning. I probably left Grangeville about 5, 5.30 a.m. And uh, as soon as I got off the pavement and into that you know, wilderness area, past Elk City, it just got snowy and icy. I mean, you couldn't even walk on the on the doggone uh, dirt road. It was so bad. It was so icy. And uh, the car that I rented, because they were out of four-wheel drives, was a uh, Chevy Malibu, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a pretty good omen that maybe maybe you should be playing golf in Florida this week. Instead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm a real fan of the Malibu now for getting me in there alive. Anyhow, got you know, it just deteriorated. And at one point, I went slamming into a snowbank. Which was the good news, because if you go down the other way, it's about a 2,000 foot drop, and there's no, you know, guardrails of any kind. That's probably one of the worst places you could drive in the lower 48. Anyhow, got in there uh, about an hour and a half late, but uh, got there and uh, packed in and uh, to camp. It was about a four and a half hour ride to camp. We had a real nice camp up there, and the weather was pretty good. Although it started to get warm and foggy, so during the whole hunt, we lost about 50% of our hunting time due to fog coming in every day, right? Uh. And then um, we saw a real nice deer, okay, and uh, I decided to go for it. So we're up on this knoll, and you had to go down this really steep draw and then back up this draw. And we did that, and we're probably about 150 yards for from this, where this buck is bedded, and I'm about to make a stalk. And sure enough, I look down at my rifle, and the bolt had fallen out. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do now, right? Turns out my, my, my uh, gunsmith had put a new trigger in for me, and for some reason he altered something that caused the bolt to fall out. Well, at that moment, I was not a big fan of my gunsmith. But let me tell you what happened, okay? We backtracked all the way back down that draw, and we found the bolt. And we put, wow. it back, we put it back in the rifle, 
and we went back up, and when we got to the top, we looked back, and the other guide and hunter are waving their hands trying to signal us. Turns out there was a bigger buck standing there looking at us when we came over the crest of that uh, ridge. So I, I just laid down, put my rifle down in my pack. He was about 220, 230, I guess. And I thought I was good and tight, and I squeezed off, and that buck did not move. <laughs> he uh-huh. just turned around. He just turned around and ambled down off the side of the ridge. Now, the other side of the ridge is way steep, and there's no way that you're going to get down that ridge. So he was lost. He was uh, lost. Man, oh, man. And, and everything it took to get to that point oh boy. on that mountain, the, the Chevy Malibu, the icy roads, and from the moment you glassed and saw the initial buck right. and had to go down and back up, how long was and how long was that period? Of and time then back, and then the back down and back up again. You're talking yeah, about yeah. you know the better part of an hour, and you know not a particularly easy hour. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you know, you know no, you're, you're, you're grabbing onto bushes and stuff, you know, trying to keep your feet because you got to carry a day pack and all that junk and your rifle and all that. So it was a real disappointment, but I'll tell you the truth. I, I was so grateful to have a shot at an animal like that. It was probably the best mule there to that point I'd ever seen uh, through my scope. So, yeah. you know, you know, I really can't get down the dumps. Yeah, my shooting was bad, but that's the way it is. Everybody misses sooner or later. Yep, everybody misses. If they say they haven't, then they're lying to you. Um Tell me this, when when you got back and checked your rifle, because you had been climbing through some rugged, rugged right. country for several days, right. you went back, I know you went back and checked your rifle. Was, was it on? Was it it was on, on, yeah. The rifle was on. I shot at a tree. We got back to camp. I shot at a tree, and I put about four into, you know, a tree, and it was fine. What I did do for safety measures, I put a... Uh, I put a little string on the bolt and around the trigger guard so that if it popped out again, it wouldn't go too far. But uh, the rest of the hunt, I saw one other buck that was very nice, but I couldn't get a shot at him, okay? Uh, The other gentleman that was in camp with me, a fellow from Nevada, did get a buck. I came out one day early because the temperature was going to drop, and I was worried about getting out with that Malibu. The roads were really, you know... At that point, they were really gone, uh, deteriorated. He hunted one extra day. The last day, he shot a very nice buck. So, I mean, the deer were there. Uh, the biggest problem during that week was the loss of visibility. I think if we would have the ability to glass more, you know, we would have seen more bucks because they were there. The does were there, you know. And mm-hmm. at this time of the year, if you can find the does, you know, after November up in that country, you can pretty much uh, – bet that a buck will be around them. Tell us uh, about the elevation and where exactly were you in Idaho? Okay, we're in the uh, Frank Church River of No Return Wilderness Area, okay? You can drive to the pickup point, but then that's the border for the wilderness area, and that's where the horses and mules are. And in the wilderness areas, as a lot of your listeners probably know, there's no machines allowed, no ATVs. I mean, you couldn't even get an ATV on those horse trails anyhow, but you can't even have a chainsaw in there. Everything has to be done by hand. If you're going to cut a log, it's got to be with a saw or an axe. Uh, you know, there's just no machines allowed. So that's what makes it great. It's very inaccessible. The country is extremely rugged, very steep. And uh, I would put the elevation at that camp last year about just under 5,000 feet. So I was, you know, 
I was gasping for air the whole time. <laughs> sure, yeah. You know what, at sea level, when you're looking at a magnificent animal like that, you're gasping for air and your heart rate accelerates. Right. I can only imagine at elevation. A little tough. Oh, your heart's hey, jumping. Even if you can get your yeah. breathing under control, you can't get your heart rate under control. <laughs> you're so excited, you know. Oh, exactly. Ken, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back. You said something in that portion of our, our visit that interested me. When you looked at that magnificent mule deer through your scope, you said that was the biggest mule deer you had seen in your life up to that point, which leads me to believe that maybe, just maybe, you saw one this year that was that bigger, bigger. So we're going to take a break and come back and find out, okay? Can you hang All on? All right, sure. If you ever stop just once in West Texas at the very unique Herdware store and visit with the very unique Cecil Miskin, you'll make it a regular stop every time you pass by. We are on US-287, which is one of the oldest and most major U.S. highways still. We are 40 miles south and east of Amarillo. H-E-R-D, Herdware Store. We've got bison leather goods, vests, chaps, dusters, and bison hide coats, bison leather belts and wallets, bison leather shoes, art. We've got western artifacts. We've got native artifacts. The only way we can describe it is all things bison. If you're not interested in bison, don't stop. If you're interested in bison, come on and plan on spending 15 minutes to two hours and enjoy yourself. The only rule that we have in the store, and we've had it for many years, and we've only had one person ever break our rule, is if you're not having fun, we're going to ask you to leave. The most unique stop between the Gulf and the Pacific, Cecil Miskin and the Herdware Store, herdware.net. I'm Tom Watson with Bend Knee International, asking you to pray for the Navajo people of New Mexico and Arizona. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit these native people exceptionally hard. In many cases, multiple families live in the same home. Water is carried from muddy streams for household use, and medical care is many miles away. I simply ask that you join me in lifting them up to the Lord. To learn more, please visit BendedKnee.org. The reason you missed that big buck isn't because you're a lousy shot. It's because you need a new optic from Marksman Firearms. With locations in Mansfield, Wichita Falls, Granbury, and Killeen, there's a Marksman Firearms location near you. Rifles, shotguns, targets, ammo, optics, scopes, rangefinders, trail cameras, knives, and much more. MarksmanFirearms.com. Make your mark at Marksman. From the deck of your private cabin overlooking the confluence of the famous White and Norfolk Rivers at Norfolk Resort Trout Dock, you can see crystal clear running waters that hold one of the world's greatest populations of rainbow and brown trout. In fact, this is the home of world record trout. You might be distracted, though, by the beautiful rolling Ozark Mountains that hold you during your stay. Just up the road a few miles is incredible bass fishing for largemouth, smallmouth, and spots. You'll find the best guides in the business at Norfolk Resort, and your boat is just a short walk from your cabin. Your guide will find a gravel shoal perfect for preparing a hot shore lunch with fresh-caught trout and all the trimmings. You'll think about a nap after lunch, but there's more fish to catch and river to explore before retiring to your fully furnished riverside hideaway. Sound good? Of course it does. Norfolk Resort Trout Dock in Norfolk, Arkansas. 
NorfolkResort.com. National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about. And guys like you and I, we read two pages and we say, hey, that's phony. This is this is not the way it is. Ever since The Old Man in the Sea, fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon. That was until national outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby wrote his blue water classic, The Tournament. Chuck Winchler of Sporting Classics says you can read The Tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin. And every moment will be just as fun, just as exciting. Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says, The Tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon. Somewhere over this horizon sit a million little dictators, eager to purge humanity of its hunting instincts. Contrived emotions flood from their air-conditioned, glass-paneled, Wi-Fi-enabled habitats over the mountains and out into the wild, from which they hate to admit they emerged. Their foolish quest to force nature to fit their feelings threatens the survival of every living thing on our planet. If their fevered tantrums are ever imposed, the Earth will be ruled by the deadliest combination in the natural world, human ignorance and human arrogance. Travel another path, the truest path, nature's path. Trust the hunter in your blood. Our warm campfire is always the gathering spot, no matter the weather. Tall tales and life's tough spots get worked out here. This is Kinder Outdoors. Presented to you by Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. If you'd like to bird hunt this spring at the world-famous Joshua Creek Ranch, you need to let them know they're filling up. Very few available dates left. Learn more about my friends at the pristine and beautiful Joshua Creek Ranch when you visit me at kinderoutdoors.com. Cool hunting story from my friend Ken Kirkaby, also a very talented outdoor rider. Ken, thanks for hanging on. I really appreciate it. All right. Hey, uh, we talked about how last year, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. Uh, so I'm sure for 365 days, every time you went to bed at night, you were looking at that mule deer that you missed. <laughs> I don't think a day went by when I didn't dream about that deer. Yeah. So you just returned from another yeah. trip to Idaho. You went back to the same, am I right, the same wilderness area? Same wilderness area. This time our camp was about 10 uh, miles probably as the crow flies to the east. And uh, fortunately, there was enough water in the Salmon River this time. Now, I'm taking a jet boat upriver, which is about a 30-minute uh, jet boat ride. We load up, and then he goes, I got some other stuff to bring. And he pulls his truck up to the boat, and he loads about six sacks of horse feet, which had to go in, too. Now, this is all just to get me through that week, right? I want to give you listeners 
some idea of the logistics involved in these things. They are huge, right, to get a guy into the hunting area. So we get in the jet boat, we run upriver, and sure enough, my guys are there waiting for me with uh, a horse for me, horses for them, and a couple extra mules. And we load up, and we ro- we ride up to the camp, which is about another three, three-and-a-half-hour pack in. Get into camp. Sure enough, as soon as it gets dark, the snowstorm starts. <laughs> and oh. it's, a, it's a wet, heavy snow. But I'm thinking that's not bad because, you know, snow generally, you know, helps you spot and whatnot. As long as the weather stays pretty clear. Next morning we get up, that snow's still coming down. Now, that snow during the night was hitting the side of the tent so loud we almost had to yell so we could hear each other. That morning the wind died down, and we're thinking, you know, it's still snowing lightly, but we think we should have pretty good luck. So my guide and I go out, and he sends the packer back down to the river with two mules to pick up the feed sacks that we left down there covered up with a tarp. Okay, so this kid, who's 18 years old, by the way, right? It's like his first big expedition. He goes down there by himself to get this stuff. We go out hunting, and uh, we see a couple does, and we're encouraged, and we keep going, and then all of a sudden, the weather, uh, the visibility starts going down, okay? So after about an hour, hour and a half, we figure, ah, we're spinning our wheels. So we go back to camp, and we figure we'll wait till this afternoon and see if it clears. This afternoon, that afternoon, it does not clear. In fact, the snow starts coming down harder. So about 5 o'clock, he started to get worried that this kid's not going to make it back. So we go out, and we start walking down the trail towards the river. And we get about an hour out, and we wait. And sure enough, the kid finally comes around a corner with the uh, pack animals just at dark. And we're thinking, oh, good. Because I was really worried about that kid, you know, that he might have got bucked off. Now, this area is so steep. You go off your horse. You know, it's a problem. You're going to go rolling for a while. And so is the horse and mule. But we're figuring if the kid, you know, lost the pack train, that the pack animals would have come in and we would have known it. But sure enough, everything worked out okay. So we get back to camp and spend another night. And it's still snowing. In the morning, the snow stops, okay? It's the first clear morning, right? So now this is, what, our third day, right? Go out, me and Logan go out, and it's we're going out to, around a horse trail, and these horse trails all skirt these steep, you know, mountainsides, and we're looking down and glassing, and we keep moving and glassing. Finally, we've seen two does, right? And we move out a little bit further down the trail, a couple hundred yards, and we see a bigger deer with them, but we can't see the deer's head because it's behind a branch. So Logan says, let's just keep moving and looking. He says, I think that deer may be a buck. So sure enough, we get into sight of the deer, and it's a very good one. He looks at it for a long time. He says, yeah, that's a good one. All right? Now I'm excited, right? The deer is about 700 yards below us down a steep ridge, and we wait, and the deer does just what you want him to do. He lays down in a spot and beds down, right? And he's facing to the left, Okay. It's open down to him. So we slide down this slope. It's all snow, right, on our behinds the whole way. We probably slid about 500 yards down two ridges, and that took a while. Then finally we got to the last ridge, and we're above him. And uh, Logan ranged him at 230 yards. So I got real tight, and I got on Logan's pack, 
And this time, boy, I was taking my time and just being real careful. And I'll tell you what, the sight of that deer, I could see three points on my side, and I figured he had a brow time too. He was a nice buck, and I was excited. And sure enough, I made the shot. It was almost a perfect shot. I mean, it hit him good right behind the shoulder. I'm pretty sure he's down, right? He starts to crawl, and he crawls over to the end of the ridge, and he dies and rolls off the ridge. Right? Now he starts sliding, okay? He slides down one ridge, down two ridges, down three ridges. He must have slid over a 1,000 feet, and, we're, and we go down there. And we see blood. We see good blood the whole way. And I can tell it's lung blood. And I think, he's hit good, right? But he just is dead, but still slide. So we keep going down. Finally, we find him. And sure enough, he'd snapped off one antler about three inches above the uh, base. All right? So you go, oh, no, right? But to tell you the truth, it didn't bother me. Because I was going to mount him either way. And there's a good... Pardon me, there's a good chance they could fix that antler. So sure enough, so we uh, cape them out, cut them up, caught them up, and the packer's down with us now. And the three of us uh, finally get them uh, quartered up in the meat and bags and packed up. And I packed out the hidden cape, and the boys uh, packed out the uh, the meat, and we started back up. And let me tell you something, that was the test. Going up that thing, I said, Kirk, to be, if you're going to have a heart attack, it's going to be right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you have your mule deer. You, you, you. <laughs> you're, oh, we're still so happy. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you're, you may die right here, but Lord, you can take me now. Thank you take very much. Take me now. Yeah. That was exactly what I was thinking. So here's what's going to happen, boys. We're going to get to the saddle trail, and somebody's going to go back to camp for a mule because I am not humping this. One foot more than that when we get yeah. to the top, right? <laughs> so we Wow, to... congratulations, Ken. Thank you. But I want Everything. you know, it, it's really important to keep in mind the logistics involved. These guys did a tremendous job. My guy, Logan, is about 26 years old. The Packer was 18. These kids were in great shape. And, you know, it's it's a real ordeal, but it's a magnificent area. Oh, I forgot to tell you, we saw a very nice uh, bighorn sheep earlier that oh, day wow. yeah beautiful probably 350 yeah. yards away about a half three-quarter curl beautiful animal first one i ever saw out hunting wow that is so very cool well congratulations two years of uh literally 365 days per year planning getting yourself in shape uh and then carrying out and following through uh to to produce that meat for your freezer and that beautiful memory that'll go up on the on the wall that that's just fabulous and I want folks to know that you are not 30 years old 68 years old and going to the top of the mountain and down again and back up again every year you figure out a way to go to the top of the mountain and back <laughs> down and then back up that's right. That's right. You uh, never figure out an easy way. I don't know why. Oh, uh, that is so awesome. I, I highly recommend that you read my friend Ken Kirkaby. Uh, you'll find him, like I said earlier, on Amazon. Red, you're looking for Red Stick One, Red Stick Two, and the Tournament. Those are uh, the the three publications that Ken has out there now. And I can't wait to see what you're coming up with for us next, Ken. As always, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing. I really appreciate it. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Thank you, sir. And to all your listeners, Sam. This is Patriot Mobile's Kinder Outdoors.
Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and it's time once again to invite you to our annual Jim Shockey Classic two-day charity event where we all get together to celebrate and honor those who have served and sacrificed. All of us deeply admire the invaluable sacrifices made by our military personnel. 100% of the proceeds fund all expense-paid Shockey tribute hunts through the Freedom Hunters Military Outreach Program. In addition to the golf tournament, there will be a sporting clay tournament on Sunday morning before the banquet. So join me April 14th and 15th, 2024 at the award-winning Barnsley Resort in Adersville, Georgia, nestled in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. Visit JimShockeyClassic.com to sponsor, to register, or to donate, and also to learn more about our great event. I really hope to see you there. The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth. Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org. Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The vineyard sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine, the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority. Come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt 
easily six, seven, eight groups. And we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean, these people get to walk. They get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free-range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit JoshuaCreek.com. Mobilizing freedom every day. Patriot Mobile and Kinder Outdoors. Joshua Creek Ranch in the Texas Hill Country. That's where I do my Axis deer shopping. (laughs) There's a huge native herd on this low-fence, pristine, five-star Texas Hill Country Ranch. Go enjoy yourself. Put a beautiful trophy on the wall and delicious protein in your freezer when you hunt Axis deer with my friends at Joshua Creek Ranch. We're recalling some wonderful fireside chats that we've had in the past on the show today on this cold February morning. And another one of those visits was with Linda Erickson and her 90-year-old elk hunting mom, Mildred Bryant. They live up in Idaho, and Mildred has been chasing elk just about all of her days. I think you'll enjoy this. I'm going to ask you about your weather there in Idaho. How you looking? It was like 19 degrees when I got up this morning. (laughs) Life in Idaho. Uh, Where exactly in Idaho are you guys? Um, Mom lives in New Plymouth, Idaho, and I live in Emmett. We're about eight miles apart, just outside of Boise, so south central. Hey, I wanted to call and talk to you ladies because not only is your mom a very special lady and someone that uh, we as hunters and, and, and fishermen should uh, pattern ourselves after and and hope for her longevity. But you guys had a really special week together back in October. I want you to tell everybody about that. Well, we started out on Saturday with my elk hunt, and it's my first big game kill, and I got a six-point elk on Saturday. And then we took her out um, to get her sighted in and practice shooting my gun. I got a new gun a couple years ago. As a gift, um, a 6.5 Creedmoor, took her out for a little bit of shooting, and she hit the bullseye almost every time or right close to it. So we knew <laughs> she was ready for her hunt on Wednesday. And so we went out Wednesday morning, and just before daylight, we were out and set up, and she got her buck right off. So wow. a three-by-four buck, um, and it's just a beautiful deer. I guess so, yeah, and what a beautiful week in memory together, mother and daughter hunting together, your your big uh, elk on Saturday, October 1st, and then a few days later, your mom uh, killed her mule deer for the year, and the very special thing about your mom, Mildred Bryant, is that she is 90 years old and still going strong. She will be 91 this December, so she is almost 91. And she still rides horses. That week was also good because she killed her deer on Wednesday. And on Thursday, we got on horseback and chased cows for six miles. And on Friday, we followed it with a 10-mile cow chase. Well, I tell you what, uh, what a beautiful family. What a beautiful way to spend time together, working and playing together. And I I know that my audience would love to meet Miss Mildred if uh, she's handy. Can, Can you put her on the phone? Yep, here she is. Perfect. Hello. Hello, Mrs. Bryant. How are you? I'm fine. 
That's good. That's good. Uh, well, I tell you what, you uh, we just had to call from Texas and say congratulations, your 80th year as a hunter, and you you bagged a good one. Yep. <laughs> tell, tell me I've a little bit. All my life. Tell me about how this got started with you, because that's 80 years of hunting and you're 90 years of life. Yep. <laughs> well, we lived back on the Oregon coast in the town of Vandenberg, and it came right close to the house that we lived in back in a canyon. And my brother and I, my brother and I started when we were real little taking the pack horses up in the mountains because people came to our house to hunt. And my brother and I would ride them up to a certain point, the horses, and they'd put another deer on, and we would take it back home, and Mom would unload the deer, and then we'd take the horses and go back up and help somebody else pack out. And we were probably five and six. We'd climb on the back of the horse after we put the deer on and go home. <laughs> five and, and six I, years old. So you didn't get to shoot your first one until you were 10. Almost 10, yeah. <laughs> and I got mad at my dad, and a friend and I went out and shot it, but we were too little to pick it up and pack it, but we hung it in a tree. <laughs> and it was a little fork and horn. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. And that's been a few miles back down the road, and you still love to go and and hunt those big, beautiful mule deer up there in Idaho even now. Right. I ride a lot. I'm a trail rider, and I have covered most of Oregon on horseback. My goodness. I, I've seen pictures of you, and, and not only uh, – uh, have you enjoyed horses all your life? I think I saw you riding a steer. <laughs> I rode cows, yes, at the rodeo. <laughs> was that was that like? A, I, I had a group of young kids I would help learning to ride. They were from eight to fourteen, and I took them to the Coos County Fair, and they were supposed to ride the roping cows, and they wouldn't ride unless I did. So I got on a cow and rode the cow. <laughs> and you've got a smile on your face while you're doing it. Looks like you're having a good time there. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> it's so much fun uh, to to get out in God's great creation and enjoy uh, enjoy these these wild places and wild things. And it's a lot more fun when you can enjoy it with your family. It sounds like that's how you do it. I do. I've hunted a lot with my family. My grandson Corey Bryant. And my son-in-law and I went hunting, and we killed two six-point bull elk and a spike all at one time. You guys filled the freezer in just a couple of days there. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was the question of getting them out, you know, but we had a friend showed up, and we loaded them up and hauled them out. We were able to get there. But uh, well, I heard. Long story, but we spotted them, and... My son-in-law got one shot, and he got a five-point, and my grandson was on the other side of the ridge, and he began to holler, Grandma, I got a five-point, and I thought they were arguing over the same one, but they weren't, <laughs> and I got the spike. <laughs> and just so people know, this this was not a little chip shot. It was 224 yards, 
and yep. uh, something that you've practiced and done your whole life. You squeeze that shot off and, and filled the freezer one more time, Miss Mildred, and we had right. to call and say congratulations to you. That's so impressive. Thank you. <laughs> I had my uh, share of them. <laughs> well, no, not yet. You have more to go. I hope to go again. You betcha. <laughs> um, just luck if you happen to be in the right place at the right time. That's exactly right. What, now, what you've got a birthday coming up. Your 91st birthday is just a couple of weeks away, huh? Right, the 21st of December. December 21st. So how did that work when you were a kid? Did you get birthday presents on the 21st and Christmas presents on the 25th or no? We didn't do very much Christmas. If we could make something for one another, we did. It wasn't go to town and buy a bunch of stuff. We made our own. And that's and a whole lot more special. It is. We all worked together on sewing and lived eight miles or nine miles from the closest power pole or telephone. No power or was back in the hills. And I did not like driving cars. I didn't like riding in cars. But I could take my horse across country and come out where I wanted to be. <laughs> oh, Miss Mildred, what a, what a special lady. And uh, on December 21st, I will be thinking of you for sure. Okay, thank you. <laughs> She's 92 now. Miss Mildred Bryant, a big game hunter for eight-plus decades up there in Idaho. She's tougher than a box full of hammers. You know it. Let's go get a cup of coffee. I'll meet you right back here. Hello, I'm Corey Mason, Executive Director with Dallas Safari Club, and this is our Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Flush that old bird dog out of that chair and have a seat. You're in camp with us at Kinder Outdoors. Presented to you by Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. I love that little bird. <laughs> he had coffee with me on my deck, my back patio actually, uh, at one of my stays at Joshua Creek Ranch. I always talk about the hunting and the fishing, but the lodging is oh so comfortable it's five star down home no one puts on airs around joshua creek and your whole family's going to be comfortable there go have fun at joshua creek learn more about them at kinderoutdoors.com gary klein is in the bass fishing hall of fame and he's also one of our pros here at kinder outdoors that we lean on pretty hard for inside info to make us better anglers he and i had a conversation a while back that will certainly help you out this spring. It's all about boat position. Boat positioning for me is everything. Whether I'm fishing a spinning roll with light line or if I have a flip stick and heavy line with me. Let me just try to make it simple. I've always, if anybody's listened to Gary Klein talk at seminars and stuff, I always say bass are conditioned by their environment, which is so true. Whether it's deep or shallow, clear, dirty, hot, cold, water. Fish are conditioned by that environment. Well, also, bass anglers 
get conditioned by their environment. And what I simply mean by that is the boats we use, the trolling motors we use, electronics we use, the rods we use, and most important is the way that you get comfortable in fishing. Uh, we all end up getting caught up in ruts, and we don't think outside the box. And just for an example, one of my most favorite ways to fish is an uphill presentation. And maybe that's because I was raised fishing off the bank, hiking around the mountains, going down to the ponds and the streams and the lakes. So once I got to a location, I wasn't really too quick to want to have to hike back up and over the mountain and go somewhere else. But when you're fishing from shallow or from deep up to shallow with an uphill presentation, there's a lot of really key factors that come into play. Boat positioning is very, very important. And bass get conditioned, fishermen get conditioned. Say you go to a body of water, as an example, and you have a piece of structure that you know you meter over it, you throw a buoy out, you swing the boat back around. I guarantee you 99% of the anglers will always position their boat in deep water and throw back shallow. So what they're doing it, let's just say if there's a school of fish, visualize this, if there's a school of fish sitting on a break in 12-foot water, and they meter over it, they see the fish, they throw the marker out or hit a waypoint, and they swing the boat out, now they're sitting in 35 feet of water. These are active feeding fish, and normally, and I, I see this happen in tournaments all the time, say it's a team tournament, and you and your buddy see the school of fish, you swing the boat out, and you both make a cast, and you both get bit on your very first cast you fight in a couple four-pound fish, if these fish are active, which they are, you're going to pull the school with you out to the boat and basically reposition the fish that were up on that piece of cover trying, you know, they're feeding, they're there for a reason. But as an angler, you and your buddy just found the school of fish and you caught two, you pulled the other 30 of them with you to the boat, even though you can't see them. They come off the shore, fall on the ones you're fighting, and what do you do? You put them in a live well, and the next cast you make is back to that piece of structure. And you often wonder why you don't get bit anymore, and a lot of anglers will sit there for the rest of the day think, man, I sure hope they turn on again. Well, what you did is you just reposition those fish. Now, take that same scenario and visualize an uphill presentation. So if I see that school of fish sitting in 12, 15 foot of water, instead of positioning my boat in 30, 35, 40, I'm going to come around, put my power poles down in four foot of water, and I'm going to make a cast out deep, and I'm going to fish my bait up to those fish. Now, when I get the bite, those fish, if they, if they leave that piece of structure, I just pull them up even shallower. So now they're still feeding. And a lot of times I'll have other baits you know, maybe I get the first couple bites on a jig and I get them fired up and pick crankbait up and catch the next 10. The point that I'm trying to make here, and this is just one small example of boat positioning. Boat positioning to me is lure presentation and how I can better maximize what it is I'm trying to accomplish on the water that day. And that school of fish, if you think about it, instead of catching two, I guarantee I'll catch 10 12, 15 fish out of that group, or maybe the whole group, because I kept them in a feeding zone. You know, you always hear fishermen talk about a pattern. You know, I got to, there's only two things you do when you're on the water. You either find, a, establish a pattern that you can run throughout a section of the lake, 
or you find an area that's got a good concentration of fish. So let's say you meet her, you're fishing around, you know the fish are offshore, and now you're fishing a point at the mouth of a creek, like we're down at Amstead, and there's a break in 15 to 20 feet of water. It's a lead part of a creek, and you find a school of fish, and you catch them, catch them, catch them, catch them, catch them. Now you're thinking, wow, man, this is pretty cool. Well, I can literally pull my mapping up on that lake and look at the mouth of all the creeks that are right there in that area and look for other runouts or other secondary points and immediately go from that spot around the corner and see another place that I found on the map. And uh, it's amazing how fast we are now of being able to interpret and being able to develop patterns. He's one of the very best to ever pick up a rod and reel. That is Gary Klein. He's in the Hall of Fame for catching big green bass. And a great lesson on boat position today. This corner of the camp house is brought to you by Purina Pro Plan, the world's greatest dog fuel. Pick up a bag at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Kansas, and Missouri. Hi, this is Bobby Labonte, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Hey, you guys know what SHOT Show is, right? It's the world's largest firearms industry trade show. All the important movers and shakers from the shooting world are there. And it was that group of people that said Patriot Mobile is doing something special. And Patriot received the Ladies' Choice Award for Best Cellular Service by the Shooting for Women Alliance founder, Susan Romanoff. Susan was held hostage in her home for five and a half hours at knife point. And for a while during that time, her cell phone didn't even have the ability to connect with anybody. Romanoff said that Patriot Mobile's capability to have multiple networks on one phone consolidated in a single convenient bill ensures the optimal chance for cell service when that need for service is critical. And she's right. Make the switch to Patriot. Great 4G and 5G and U.S.-based customer service. That's a big deal. I'm going to pay for your activation when you mention the promo code KINDER, K-I-N-D-E-R. I stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore, men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth, who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place. The reason you missed that big buck isn't because you're a lousy shot. It's because you need a new optic from Marksman Firearms. With locations in Mansfield, Wichita Falls, Granbury, and Killeen, there's a Marksman Firearms location near you. Rifles, shotguns, targets, ammo, optics, scopes, rangefinders, trail cameras, knives, and much more. MarksmanFirearms.com. Make your mark at Marksman. Ag Texas. The name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees. And 
have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop, your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com and just down the road. Crappie anglers, tired of tying knots? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to tell you about the all-new Add-A-Hook by Bullet Weights. The Add-A-Hook is designed to put a hook on your line without using any knots or cutting your line. Hold the Add-A-Hook next to your fishing line, then wrap the line five times around each side. Pull your line into the clips, and bam, you're ready to go, and it will not slip. I can tie a double crappie rig in 30 seconds when it takes up to six minutes to tie one with all the knots. Add a hook is made of stainless steel, no rust, flexible, and tough. Mr. Crappie and Bullet Weights has made it better, faster, and easier for crappie fishermen to get back in the water catching more crappie than ever. Bullet Weights has a full line of Mr. Crappie double mental rigs for trolling and vertical fishing. The Mr. Crappie Troll Check rigs are designed to troll in shallow waters and heavy cover, keeping two baits close together without hanging up. Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at bulletweights.com. We work hard every day to ensure that your great-grandchildren will enjoy the rights to hunt, fish, and shoot in freedom. It takes Patriots, Patriot Mobile, and Kinder Outdoors. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Purina Pro Plan, Pro Plan Performance in the purple sport bag for your hard-working bird dog. Pick it up at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. We're enjoying a warm campfire and good friends on the show today. Ken Kirkaby is an outdoor writer friend of mine, and he loves to hunt mule deer, big mule deer, in the high country. I uh, always enjoy my, my visits with you. My friend Ken Kirkaby, a very talented outdoor writer, author. Uh, he has several books. I'm sure you've heard about them uh, here on the radio show, Red Stick 1, Red Stick 2, and the tournament. If those are not in your deer blind or in your uh, duck lodge, deer lodge, quail cabin, whatever, uh, you need to go gather those up. You can do that at Amazon. I highly uh, recommend them. Are you doing any writing these days, Ken? Do you still enjoy yes. writing? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm working on a couple projects right now and uh, hopefully have something together in about, oh, maybe less than a year. Oh, okay, good, good, fantastic. And one cool thing, I always point this out, one cool thing about Ken is as outdoors men and women, we all know a phony when we <laughs> hear or read a phony. Ken is not a phony. He's been there and done that, and he's still out there doing that, uh, climbing jagged peaks in search of great mule deer, uh, and you just returned from a great trip. But I want to back up a year, Ken, because things did not go well a year ago. No, it was, to, a real, I, it was a real adventure. You went to Idaho on a pack-in hunt uh, in some rugged country, and boy, I mean, from the get-go, things were just, it just didn't go well. No, it was tough. Um, last year, the Salmon River was very low, so that eliminated the possibility of using a jet boat to get to where we were going. So I had to drive in from the west. Now, I came into Missoula, 
and uh, spent the night in Grangeville, Idaho, and then went in that morning. I probably left Grangeville about 5, 5.30 a.m., and uh, as soon as I got off the pavement and into that, you know, wilderness area, past Elk City, it just got snowy and icy. I mean, you couldn't even walk on the on the doggone uh, dirt road. It was so bad. It was so icy. And uh, the car that I rented, because they were out of four-wheel drives, was a uh, Chevy Malibu, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a pretty good omen that maybe maybe you should be playing golf in Florida this week instead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm a real fan of the Malibu now for getting me in there alive. Anyhow, got you know, it just deteriorated, and at one point I went slamming into a snowbank, which was the good news, because if you go down the other way, it's about a 2,000-foot drop, and there's no, you know, guardrail yeah. of any kind. That's probably one of the worst places you could drive in the lower 48. Anyhow, got in there uh, about an hour and a half late, but uh, got there and uh, packed in and uh, to camp. It was about a four-and-a-half-hour ride to camp, and we had a real nice camp up there. And the weather was pretty good, although it started to get warm and foggy. So during the whole hunt, we lost about 50% of our hunting time due to fog coming in every day, right? Uh. And then um, we saw a real nice deer, okay? And uh, I decided to go for it. So we're up on the snow, and you had to go down this really steep draw and then back up this draw. And we did that, and we're probably about 150 yards from this where this buck is bedded, and I'm about to make a stalk. And sure enough, I look down at my rifle, and the bolt had fallen out. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do now, right? Turns out my, my, my uh, gunsmith had put a new trigger in for me, and for some reason he altered something that caused the bolt to fall out. Well, at that moment, I was not a big fan of my gunsmith. But let me tell you what happened, okay? We backtracked all the way back down that draw, and we found the bolt, and we put, wow. it, back. We put it back in the rifle, and we went back up, and when we got to the top, we looked back, and the other guide and hunter are waving their hands, trying to signal us. Turns out there was a bigger buck standing there looking at us when we came over the crest of that uh, ridge. So I, I just laid down put my rifle down in my pack. He was about 220, 230, I guess. And I thought I was good and tight, and I squeezed off, and that buck did not move. <laughs> he uh -huh. just turned around. He just turned around and ambled down off the side of the ridge. Now, the other side of the ridge is way steep, and there's no way that you're going to get down that ridge. So he was lost. He was uh, lost. Man, oh, man. And, and everything it took to get to that point Oh boy. On that mountain, the the Chevy Malibu, the icy roads, and from the moment you glassed and saw the initial buck, right. and had to go down and back up, how long was and how long was that period of and time? Then back, and then the back first... down and back up again. You're talking yeah, about yeah. you know the better part of an hour, and you know not a particularly easy hour. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, you know no. you're, you're you're grabbing onto bushes and stuff, you know, trying to keep your feet, because you got to carry a day pack and all that junk and your rifle and all that. So it was a real disappointment, but I'll tell you the truth. I was so grateful to have a shot at an animal like that. It was probably the best mule there to that point I'd ever seen uh, through my scope. So, yeah. you know, you know, I really can't get down in the dumps. Yeah, my shooting was bad, but that's 
the way it is. Everybody misses sooner or later. Yep, everybody misses. If they say they haven't, then they're lying to you. Um, tell me this. When when you got back and checked your rifle, because you had been climbing through some rugged, rugged right. country for several days, right. you went back. I know you went back and checked your rifle. Was, was it on? Was it it was on, on, yeah. The rifle was on. I shot at a tree. We got back to camp. I shot at a tree. And I put about four into, you know, a tree, and it was fine. What I did do for safety measures, I put a, uh, I put a little string on the bolt and around the trigger guard so that if it popped out again, it wouldn't go too far. But uh, the smart. rest of the hunt, I saw one other buck that was very nice, but I couldn't get a shot at him. Okay. Uh, the other gentleman that was in camp with me, a fellow from Nevada, did get a buck. I came out one day early because the temperature was going to drop, and I was worried about getting out with that Malibu. The roads were really, you know, at that point, they were really gone, uh, deteriorated. He hunted one extra day. The last day he shot a very nice buck. So, I mean, the deer were there. Uh, the biggest problem during that week was the loss of visibility. I think if we would have the ability to glass more, you know, we would have seen more bucks because they were there. The does were there, you know. And at this time of the year, if you can find the does, you know, after November up in that country, you can pretty much uh, bet that a buck will be around them. Tell us uh, about the elevation and where exactly were you in Idaho? Okay, we're in the uh, Frank Church River of No Return Wilderness Area, okay? <clears throat> you can drive to the pickup point, but then that's the border for the wilderness area, and that's where the horses and mules are. And <clears throat> in the wilderness areas, as a lot of your listeners probably know, there's no machines allowed, no ATVs. I mean, you couldn't even get an ATV on those horse trails anyhow, but you can't even have a chainsaw in there. Everything has to be done by hand. If you're going to cut a log, it's got to be with a saw or an axe. Uh, you know, there's just no machines allowed. So that's what makes it great. It's very inaccessible. The country is extremely rugged, very steep. And uh, I would put the elevation at that camp last year about just under 5,000 feet. So I was, you know, I was gasping for air the whole time. <laughs> sure, yeah. You know what? At sea level, when you're looking at a magnificent animal like that, you're gasping for air and your heart rate accelerates. Right. I can only imagine at elevation. A little tough. Oh, your heart is hey, jumping. Even if you can get your yeah. breathing under control, you can't get your heart rate under control. <laughs> you're so excited, you know. Oh, exactly. Ken, we're going to take a short break. And then we're going to come back. You said something in that portion of our, our visit that interested me. When you looked at that magnificent mule deer through your scope, you said that was the biggest mule deer you had seen in your life up to that point, which leads me to believe that maybe, just maybe, you saw one this year that was that bigger, bigger. So we're going to take a break and come back and find out, okay? Can you hang All on? All right, sure. Brought to you by Purina Pro Plan. Pick up the formula that best suits your dog at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Pro Plan. For years now, you've heard me talking about how I love buffalo wool products for keeping me warm in extreme cold and cool in extreme heat. Well, I'm not the only guy to catch on to buffalo wool. Craig Boddington hunts all over the world. He does it in Buffalo Wool. The Buffalo Wool Company didn't even know he was using the product until he sent them a note. That was just overwhelming and mind-blowing and, and such a gracious thing. And Mr. Boddington is just the coolest guy ever. And it's really neat finding out that somebody is using your product, doing something amazing. 
was it last year, the um, guy that won the, the CV series alone, Clay Hayes, on TV, somebody sent us a picture of our socks hanging in his little shed there that I had no idea that somebody would be doing that, but it's neat. And then the, the number of mushers that we get to see using it, and we've now become fans of the sport because because they're using it. Professional hunters, anglers, survivalists, and mushers depend on the Buffalo Wool Company to stay warm. You can, too. TheBuffaloWoolCo.com These are unsettling and even scary times for many people. But for others, there's peace even as an angry world cries out. The source of that peace is Jesus Christ. I'm John Watson, pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church in Roanoke, Texas. At Cornerstone, we teach the Bible with no man-made religion added in. Join us online Sunday mornings at 1015 Central at csbiblechurch.org. It's just God's Word, csbiblechurch.org. If you sell hunting, fishing, outdoors products... And you'd like to directly speak to folks like me that enjoy the great outdoors. This might be a great place for you to advertise. Kinder Outdoors. We reach many thousands of hunters and fishermen each and every week all across the country and right here at home. This is the perfect place for you to advertise your goods and services. This puts you in the pickup, in the blind, and on the boat when we are. Come see us at kinderoutdoors.com to learn more. Weatherford Truck Equipment has been supplying premium truck accessories and equipment since 1997. Chip Knees and the crew at Weatherford Truck Equipment are pros that can totally equip your farm, work, or town truck to totally suit your needs. Flatbeds, grill guards, bumpers, bed covers, toolboxes, hitches, running boards, or any custom fabrication that you can scheme up for your truck. Weatherford Truck Equipment is located at 2620 Ranger Highway in Weatherford, Texas, just 20 minutes west of Fort Worth. Visit online at weatherfordtruck.com and take a look at the exceptional quality in our truck accessories and customized metal fabrication. Ranch truck, service truck, special purpose truck, it's all at Weatherford Truck Equipment. Contact Chip and set up an appointment to talk over your truck accessory or custom fabrication needs. Weatherford Truck Equipment, 2620 Ranger Highway in Weatherford. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance 
Do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. border to border and coast to coast each week with Patriot Mobile and Kinder Outdoors. If you take your clients golfing and you guys enjoy that outing, that's the perfect group to take to Joshua Creek Ranch this summer for a high volume European style driven pheasant shooting experience. You're going to see a thousand pheasants in a day. Your foursome is going to love it. Check out Joshua Creek Ranch. They're perfect for your next corporate getaway. Learn more about them at kinderoutdoors.com. Kim, thanks for hanging on. I really appreciate it. All right. Hey, uh, we talked about how last year, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. Uh, so I'm sure for 365 days, every time you went to bed at night, you were looking at that mule deer that you missed. <laughs> I don't think a day went by when I didn't dream about that deer. Yeah, so... You just returned from another yeah. trip to Idaho. You went back to the same, am I right, the same wilderness area? Same wilderness area. This time our camp was about 10 uh, miles, probably as the crow flies, to the east. And uh, fortunately, there was enough water in the Salmon River this time. Now, I'm taking a jet boat upriver, which is about a 30-minute uh, jet boat ride. We load up, and then he goes, i got some other stuff to bring. And he pulls his truck up to the boat, and he loads about six sacks of horse feed, which had to go in, too. Now, this is all just to get me through that week, right? I want to give you listeners some idea of the logistics involved in these things. They are huge, right, to get a guy into the hunting area. So we get in a jet boat. We run upriver. And sure enough, my guys are there waiting for me with a horse for me, horses for them, and a couple extra mules. And we load up, and we ro we ride up to the camp, which is about another three, three-and-a-half-hour pack in. Get into camp. Sure enough, as soon as it gets dark, the snowstorm starts. <laughs> and oh. it's, a, it's a wet, heavy snow. But I'm thinking that's not bad because, you know, snow generally, you know, helps you spot and whatnot. As long as the weather stays pretty clear. Next morning we get up, that snow's still coming down. Now, that snow during the night was hitting the side of the tent. So loud, we almost had to yell so we could hear each other. That morning, the wind died down, and we're thinking, you know, it's still snowing lightly, but we think we should have pretty good luck. So my guide and I go out, and he sends the packer back down to the river with two mules to pick up the feed sacks that we left down there covered up with a tarp. Okay, so this kid, who's 18 years old, by the way, right, <clears throat> it's like his first big expedition. He goes down there by himself to get this stuff. We go out hunting. And uh, we see a couple of those, and we're encouraged, and we keep going. And then all of a sudden, the weather, the visibility starts going down, okay? So after about an hour, hour and a half, we figure, ah, we're spinning our wheels. So we go back to camp, and we figure we'll wait till this afternoon and see if it clears. 
This afternoon, that afternoon, it is not clear. In fact, the snow starts coming down harder. So about 5 o'clock, he started to get worried that this kid's not going to make it back. So we go out, and we start walking down the trail towards the river. And we get about an hour out, and we wait. And sure enough, the kid finally comes around a corner with the uh, pack animals just at dark. And we're thinking, oh, good, because I was really worried about that kid, you know, that he might have got bucked off. Now, this area is so steep. You go off your horse, you know, it's a problem. You're going to go rolling for a while, and so is the horse and mule. But we're figuring if the kid, you know, lost the pack train, that the pack animals would have come in and we would have known it. But sure enough, everything worked out okay. So we get back to camp and spend another night, and it's still snowing. In the morning, the snow stops, okay? It's the first clear morning, right? So now this is, what, our third day, right? Go out, me and Logan go out, and it's we're going out uh, around a horse trail, and these horse trails all skirt these steep, you know, mountainsides, and we're looking down and glassing, and we keep moving and glassing. Finally, we've seen two does, right? And we move out a little bit further down the trail, couple hundred yards and we see a bigger deer with them but we can't see the deer's head because it's behind a branch so logan says let's just keep moving and looking he says i think that deer may be a buck so sure enough we get into sight of the deer and it's a very good one he looks at him for a long time he says yeah that's a good one all right now i'm excited right the deer is about 700 yards below us down a steep ridge and we wait, and, and the deer does just what you want him to do. He lays down in a spot and beds down, right? And he's facing to the left, okay? It's open down to him. So we slide down this slope. It's all snow, right, on our behinds the whole way. We probably slid about 500 yards down two ridges, and that took a while. Then finally we got to the last ridge, and we're above him. And... Uh, Logan ranged him at 230 yards, so I got real tight, and I got on Logan's pack, and this time, boy, I was taking my time and just being real careful, and I'll tell you what, the sight of that deer, I could see three points on my side, and I figured he had a brow time, too. He was a nice buck, and I was excited, and sure enough, I made the shot. It was almost a perfect shot. I mean, it hit him good right behind the shoulder. I'm pretty sure he's down, right? He starts to crawl, and he crawls over to the end of the ridge, and he dies and rolls off the ridge. Right? Now he starts sliding, okay? He slides down one ridge, down two ridges, down three ridges. He must have slid over 1,000 feet, and, we're, and we go down there, and we see blood. We see good blood the whole way, and I can tell it's lung blood. And I think he's hit good, right? But he just is dead but still slide. So we keep going down. Finally, we find him. And sure enough, he'd snapped off one antler about three inches above the uh, base. All right? So you go, oh, no, right? But to tell you the truth, it didn't bother me because I was going to mount him either way, and there's a good, <coughs> pardon me, there's a good chance they could fix that antler. So sure enough, so we uh, cape him out, Cut him up, caught him up, and the packer's down with us now. And the three of us uh, finally get him uh, quartered up in the meat and bags and packed up. And I packed out the head and cape, and the boys uh, packed out the uh, the meat. 
and we started back up. And let me tell you something, that was the test going up that thing. I said, Kirk, if you're going to have a heart attack, it's going to be right now. <laughs> but you have your mule deer. You, 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 <laughs> you're, oh, we're you're so happy. happy. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you're, you may die right here, but, Lord, you can take me now. Thank you take very much. Take me now. Yeah. That was exactly what I was thinking. So here's what's going to happen, boys. We're going to get to the saddle trail, and somebody's going to go back to camp for a mule because I am not humping this one foot more than that when we get yeah. to the top, right? <laughs> but I want Every you know it, it's really important to keep in mind the logistics involved. These guys did a tremendous job. My guy Logan is about 26 years old. The Packer was 18. These kids were in great shape, and you know it's it's a real ordeal. But it's a magnificent area. Well, congratulations. Two years of uh, literally 365 days per year planning, getting yourself in shape, uh, and then carrying out and following through uh, to, to produce that meat for your freezer and that beautiful memory that will go up on the, on the wall. That, that's just fabulous. And I want folks to know that you are not 30 years old. 68 years old and going to the top of the mountain and down again and back up again. Every year, you figure out a way to go to the top of the mountain and back <laughs> down and then back up. That's right. That's uh, right. You never figure out an easy way. I don't know why. Oh, that is so awesome. I, I highly recommend that you read my friend Ken Kirkaby. Uh, you'll find him, like I said earlier, on Amazon. Red, you're looking for Red Stick 1, Red Stick 2, and the tournament. Those are uh, the, the three publications that Ken has out there now, and I can't wait to see what you're coming up with for us next, Ken. As always, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing. I really appreciate it. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Thank you, sir. And to all your listeners, Sam. A campfire visit with outdoor author Ken Kirkaby on Kinder Outdoors, brought to you by Joshua Creek Ranch, five-star Texas Hill Country bird hunting. This is Olympic gold medalist Kim Rohde. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. When that buck of a lifetime finally shows himself and your years of preparation successfully collide with golden opportunity, you'll want to preserve that memory for a lifetime. Make sure that you're as well prepared for what happens after the shot as you were leading up to it. Don't take chances with your taxidermy work. Roy Holdridge and True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas, have taken care of my fondest outdoor memories for more than three decades. Fish, fur, feathers, all meticulously brought to True Life. The finest details matter to Roy and the artist at True Life, Granbury. True Life has been called upon to handle the precious memories of hunters and anglers from around the globe. Interstate and international trophy transport is turnkey with True Life. And they can handle all of your wild game meat processing as well. True Life Taxidermy, 4303 East Highway 377 in Granbury, Texas. And online at truelifetaxidermy.org. When we venture into Dallas-Fort Worth for conventions and expos and Christmas shopping and family visits and football games and whatever. We stay in the cabins at the Vineyards Campground and Cabins on beautiful Grapevine Lake, Texas. Each cabin has its own individual living social area and kitchen, dining room table. The kids and grandkids will love the loft, and you and your wife will enjoy the peaceful privacy of your own bedroom. 
One thing I really love about the cabins at the Vineyards Campground and Cabins in Grapevine, Texas, is that I can park my truck right outside my door. No elevators, no getting up in the middle of the night and peeking out the window at the mass of vehicles to see if mine's still there, unmolested. I pour myself a cup of coffee from the supplied coffee pot in my Vineyards cabin and enjoy a view of the lake from my front porch. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins, Grapevine, Texas. VineyardsCampground.com Once upon a time, long, long ago, elk roamed bountifully across most of North America. Their bugle cut the early morning fog in the hills of Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, coast to coast. And then they were gone. But in 1984, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation was born. And since then, a quarter of a million people have joined the elk effort. Nearly nine and a half million acres have been preserved or access opened up to the public. There are more than 500 RMEF chapters. And the way we go about our business makes us one of the most efficient and effective conservation organizations in the U.S. The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation plays a leading role in restoring elk to their historic habitat. Today, make a difference in the world. Make an impact. Learn how at rmef.org. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled, but we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids, and in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures' young lives changed. Kids that just were not into school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of Outdoor Adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics, and they smile while learning. If you want Outdoor Adventures in your local school, Contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. Tailing redfish on the fly rod. Fresh walleye in a skillet. Big time turkeys running to your call. A massive 6x6 within 30 yards and a new personal best in the bass boat. That's life at our camp at Kinder Outdoors. Proud partners with Patriot Mobile. Sharing a campfire with some old friends on the show today. Mildred Bryant and her daughter Linda Erickson joined me about 14 months ago on the show. At that time, Mildred was 90 and still loved chasing elk and big mule deer. You're going to enjoy this. Hey, I wanted to call and talk to you ladies because not only is your mom a very special lady and someone that uh, we as hunters and, and, and fishermen should uh, pattern ourselves after and, and hope for her longevity, but you guys had a really special week together back in October. I want you to tell everybody about that. Well, we started out on Saturday with my elk hunt, and it's my first big game kill. And I got a six-point elk on Saturday, 
and then nice. we took her out um, to get her sighted in and practice shooting my gun. I got a new gun a couple years ago as a gift, um, a 6.5 Creedmoor, and her and I have always shared a 270, um, and the scope on it is not as good. So we convinced her to use my 6.5 Creedmoor. We took her out for a little bit of shooting, and she hit the bullseye almost every time or right close to it. So we knew <laughs> she was ready for her hunt on Wednesday. And so we went out Wednesday morning, and just before daylight, we were out and set up, and she got her buck right off. So wow. a three-by-four buck, um, and it's just a beautiful deer. I guess so, yeah. And what a beautiful week in memory together, mother and daughter hunting together, your your big uh, elk on Saturday, October 1st, and then a few days later, your mom uh, killed her mule deer for the year, and the very special thing about your mom, Mildred Bryant, is that she is 90 years old and still going strong. She will be 91 this December, so she is almost 91, and she still rides horses. That week was also good because she killed her deer on Wednesday, and on Thursday we got on horseback and chased cows for six miles, and on Friday we followed it with a 10-mile cow chase. So. <laughs> Um, my son was on the hunt with us also, which was cool because he's really close to his grandma. And um, then a, a good family friend, Doug um, Freestone, was kind of our guide, and he's the ranch manager, so that's who we were chasing cows with as well. Well, I tell you what, uh, what a beautiful family, what a beautiful way to spend time together, working and playing together. And I, I know that my audience would love to meet Miss uh, Mildred if uh, she's handy. Can can you put her on the phone? Yep, here she is. Perfect. Hello. Hello, Mrs. Bryant. How are you? I'm fine. That's good. That's good. Uh, well, I tell you what, you uh, we just had to call from Texas and say congratulations. Your 80th year as a hunter, and you you bagged a good one. Yep. <laughs> tell, tell me I've a little bit. All my life. Tell me about how this got started with you, because that's 80 years of hunting and you're 90 years of life. Yep. <laughs> well, we lived back on the Oregon coast in the town of Vandenberg, and it came right close to the house that we lived in back in a canyon. And my brother and I, my brother and I, started when we were real little taking the pack horses up in the mountains because people came to our house to hunt. And my brother and I would ride them up to a certain point, the horses, and they'd put another deer on, and we would take it back home, and Mom would unload the deer, and then we'd take the horses and go back up and help somebody else pack out. And we were probably five and six. We'd climb on the back of the horse after we put the deer on and go home. <laughs> five and, <laughs> and six I, years old. So you didn't get to shoot your first one until you were ten. Almost ten, yeah. <laughs> and I got mad at my dad, and a friend and I went out and shot it, but we were too little to pick it up and pack it, but we hung it in a tree. And it was a little fork and horn. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. And that's been a few miles back down the road, and you still love to go 
and and hunt those big beautiful mule deer up there in Idaho even now. Right. I ride a lot. I'm a trail rider, and I have covered most of Oregon on horseback. My goodness, I, I've seen pictures of you, and, and not only uh, have you enjoyed horses all your life, I think I saw you riding a steer. <laughs> I rode cows, yes, at the rodeo. <laughs> was that, was I that like? A, I, I had a group of young kids I would help learning to ride. They were from 8 to 14, and I took them to the Coos County Fair, and they were supposed to ride the roping cows. And they wouldn't ride unless I did, so I got on a cow and rode the cow. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a smile on your face while you're doing it. Looks like you're having a good time there. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun uh to to get out in God's great creation and enjoy uh enjoy these these wild places and wild things and it's a lot more fun when you can enjoy it with your family. It sounds like that's how you do it. I do. I've hunted a lot with my family. My grandson, Corey Bryant, and my son-in-law and I went hunting, and we killed two six-point bull elk and a spike all at one time. You guys filled the freezer in just a couple of days there. Yeah. And then it was the question of getting them out, you know, but we had a friend showed up, and we loaded them up and hauled them out. We were able to get there, but well, I a long story, but... We've spotted him, and my son-in-law got one shot, and he got a five-point, and my grandson was on the other side of the ridge, and he began to holler, Grandma, I got a five-point, and I thought they were arguing over the same one, but they weren't, <laughs> and I got the spike. <laughs> and just so people know, this this was not a little chip shot. It was 224 yards, and... Yep. uh something that you've practiced and done your whole life. You squeezed that shot off and, and filled the freezer one more time, Miss Mildred, and we had to call and say congratulations to you. That's so impressive. Thank you. <laughs> I had my uh, share of them. <laughs> well, no, not yet. You have more to go. I hope to go again. You betcha. <laughs> uh, a lot of times it's just luck if you happen to be in the right place at the right time. That's exactly right. What, now, what you've got a birthday coming up. Your 91st birthday is just a couple of weeks away, huh? Right, the 21st of December. December 21st. So how did that work when you were a kid? Did you get birthday presents on the 21st and Christmas presents on the 25th or no? We didn't do very much Christmas. If we could make something for one another, we did. It wasn't go to town and buy a bunch of stuff. We made our own. And that's and a whole lot more special. It is. We all worked together on sewing and lived eight miles or nine miles from the closest power pole or telephone. No power or was back in the hills. And I did not like driving cars. I didn't like riding in cars, but I could take my horse and cross country and come out where I wanted to be. <laughs> oh, Miss Mildred, what a, what a special lady. And uh, on December 21st, I will be thinking of you for sure. Okay. Thank you. That is a special lady up in Idaho, Miss Mildred Bryant. I want to say thanks to Joshua Creek Ranch for bringing us to this corner of the camp house at Kinder Outdoors. Beretta, shooting sportsman, federal select, Orvis all agree. 
that Joshua Creek is one of the finest places on earth to enjoy a wonderful upland bird hunt, a great meal, and a fantastic stay. Learn more about them at kinderoutdoors.com. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I also want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we have together each and every week. Come back and see me next time. Until then, may God bless you and your bunch. (laughs) 